Welcome to Crosspoint Community Church. We meet every Sunday exploring the practical, transforming, and relevant teaching of the Bible by doing life together. Visit our website at crosspointonline.org to learn more. Now, get ready for a powerful message from God's Word. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, everyone in person. Good to see your lovely faces. Good morning, Zoom and Facebook family. Great to see you. God bless you all. I pray y'all had a fantastic Thanksgiving. Is anybody still full? Anybody still feeling their gut? Right? Me too. Still full. My goodness. You know, it's great, you know, when you get married and uh, you have to go to two houses for Thanksgiving. Praise God. Right? Two houses to eat. It is a great thing when you get married. Okay? You have, you know, and it's, it's a burden that you carry, but, you know, I, I trust God that he takes me through it. And um, I just enjoy being able to eat. And um, but God's good. So, so thankful you're here, you're back. And um, I, I, you know, I have a word that I believe God spoke to my heart and um, confirmed in different ways. And I just want to share it with you this morning. But I just want to just uh, talk about how awesome he is and just uh, take a time to just reflect on his goodness and just pray to him and ask him to uh, lead, ask him to be the center of our focus and intention this morning as we go to him. Uh, Father, you are absolutely amazing. Uh, Father, we thank you so much that you are our only hope. Thank you, Father God, that we can trust and rely in your faithful, loving, strong hands. We thank you, Father, that you are here with us this morning, that when two or more are gathered, there you are in the midst of them. Thank you, Father, for our brothers and sisters that are gathered with us online and on Facebook. Thank you, Lord, that you have a plan, oh God. You have a plan that is perfect for every person, every individual that is here with us. Thank you, Lord, that your plan will not be thwarted by Satan and that the gates of hell will not prevail against your church. God, you are awesome. You are lovely and holy. And we just want to give this time to you. It's about you. It's about your purpose. It's about your heart. So, God, we surrender and I surrender uh, this um, service over to you. We love you, Jesus. We give you all the praise. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. So um, today I want to just share a story that I believe is important for us to know and to understand uh, that really has a lot of elements in it. And there's so much things that's happening in this one story that's recorded in the Gospels. And I just want to point out a few things from the story that can help us in this time that we're living in, right? We're living in some very uncertain, um, weird, um, dysfunctional, hard times right now, right? There's been so much uh, death this year. There's been so much division constantly. It feels like every conversation you have, maybe on Facebook or with somebody, everybody has their opinion and they're sticking strong and standing strong with their opinion. Um, there's been so much chaos, so much confusion in this year. And I just um, want to tell you about the story about a guy who has a heart cry. And I believe that all of us in this time that we're living in can resonate with this man's heart cry. And it's the story about this man, a father who has a heart cry and he has his, his fear, his fears about his situation and his faith and where they meet. And Jesus meets him right in the middle of all his fears and all his faith. And he, Jesus shows up with power and love. And so we're gonna talk about this story today about this man's heart cry. And this man's heart cry, I believe that we can all relate to in this time we're living in is, I believe, help my unbelief. I believe you, God, but help my unbelief. 
help my unbelief of what I'm seeing, what my physical eyes are seeing happening, what my ears are listening to, what's happening around me. Help me to really believe you and to take you at your word because I don't want to doubt. So we find this story in Mark chapter 9. I'm going to start in verse 14. So please take out your Bibles if you have your physical Bibles or if you have it on your uh, phones. What's going on, Pastor Mike? Good to see you, brother. And David, good to see you. Y'all looking clean, looking clean. Cool, cool. Well, um, yeah, Mark chapter 9, verse 14. We're going to start there. It says, when they, being Jesus, Peter, James, and John, came back, they were at on, the, on top of a mountain, and they came back to the disciples, they saw a large crowd around them, around the disciples, and some scribes arguing with them. Immediately, when the entire crowd saw him, they were amazed and began running up to greet him, Jesus. And he asked them, what are you discussing with them? And one of the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought you my son, possessed with a spirit, which makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it slams him to the ground and he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and stiffens out. I told your disciples to cast it out and they could not do it. And he answered them and said, oh, unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long should I put up with you? Bring him to me. They brought the boy to him, to Jesus. When the boy saw Jesus, immediately the spirit threw him into a convulsion and falling to the ground, he began rolling around and foaming at the mouth. And he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. It has often thrown him into both fire, into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus said, if you can, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately, the boy's father cried out and said, I do believe. Help my unbelief. With God's word fresh in our minds, let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we want to believe your word. We want to believe you are who you say you are in the midst of these difficult times we're living in. Father, you alone are good and you are seated at the right hand of the Father. You are seated and you are not worried about anything. You are the Prince of Peace, as we talked about earlier. Father God, let your word uh, resonate in our hearts today. Father, um, pull back the rocks of, the, of our soul and our hearts and let your word be planted on good soil. Father, thank you for what you're doing and for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's recap really quick what happened. There's a lot that's going on there and a lot that continues to happen. So Jesus comes down from the mountain and they have a crazy experience, by the way. Jesus comes down from the mountain with Peter, James, and John. And they come and they see the disciples in, this, in, in a crowd having an argument with some scribes. And Jesus asks his disciples, hey, what are you guys discussing? What's going on here? And before any disciple can say anything, the father pipes up and says, hey, hey, look, 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 listen, 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 listen. I have a son, okay, and he's going through it right now, okay? And he has a spirit and it possesses him and it throws him on the floor and he stiffens up and he foams at the mouth. And I don't know what to do. I brought him to your disciples and he couldn't cast it out. And then Jesus replies to that man, but he doesn't actually reply straight to the man. Jesus' response is to 
a generation. Jesus doesn't reply straight to the father and say, Father, um, you know, what's going on here? Jesus' Jesus's response is not to the scribes who were arguing with his disciples. And Jesus' response was definitely not to the disciples directly that didn't have the faith apparently to cast out the demon. But Jesus' response was to a generation. He says, oh, unbelieving generation. And in Matthew's account of the story, he adds, Jesus says, oh, unbelieving and perverted generation. You know, for me, I would never put those two words in a sentence together, unbelief and perverted, right? When I think about the word perverted, I think about something gross. You know, it's kind of nasty. Um, it's kind of vile. It's kind of immature. That's kind of, that's sick, right? You think about the old creepy guy outside and waiting in a van for some little kids, like this sick, sick, nasty, right? You think that's perverted. But you don't, I don't think about pervertedness and faith in the same sentence, but Jesus mentions it. And so I want us to take a look at the word perverted and what Jesus is talking about in the, in the original language. Uh, the word perverse in the Greek, there's three definitions or three different words. It says distort. Distort is the first word. So to distort means to twist and to pull into something different. To distort, to pull and to twist into something different. You guys know when you're on, you know, you're on your laptop and uh, you're trying to create a new password or something and it asks you to identify the, the, the letters that are on, right? And they're always distorted. It's like, make sure you're not a robot. Seriously? Oh yeah, you're right, because it, it, it might be a robot sitting right here doing this. Sorry. So the letters are distorted, right? It looks like a, you know, an M, but it's very distorted. So it's twisted and pulled into a different shape and it's not normal, right? It's distorted. So that's the first definition of perverted, distortion. And I think about, what makes me think about uh, these guys called Pharisees. And these Pharisees, um, uh, they were men who knew the word of God. I mean, they knew the first five books like nobody else. They can quote it from memory. They knew it. They had it down packed. And I think about them that they distorted what God intended. What God intended was a loving, real relationship where you're being real. But these men distorted a relationship into regulations and rules and requirements and laws and do's and don'ts. And they changed the original to something else. The other, the other definition is to misinterpret. Misinterpret. Me and Steph decided early on in our dating relationship that we were gonna stop texting each other. Why? Because texting is of the devil, okay? Texting is of the devil. If, you know, if you're dating or you're engaged, you know what I'm talking about, right? Words through text can be misinterpreted right? A simple letter K dot could mean I hate you or just I agree. You mean okay or are you really okay? Why is it only a, why is it a period? You know, <laughs> we can misinterpret the word of God. We can misinterpret what people are saying. And how frustrating is it when you have the best intentions of communicating something and somebody gets it completely wrong? Somebody misinterprets your heart. How would a loving father feel when we misinterpret his words? It's perverted. The last um, definition is corrupt. So unbelief is, distor is, is distortion of faith. It's misinterpretation of faith and it's corruption of faith. 
And so this is what God is saying. And Jesus is not saying you are a unbelieving and perverted generation. He's saying you're perverted because you don't believe. That's what he's saying. And the first, so the first thing I want to talk to us about is the, the caution of unbelief and how Jesus takes it very seriously. And, you know, a lot of times I would much rather see the loving Jesus, you know, who is always compassionate, which he is, who is always kind, which he is. But Jesus has a very strong distaste for unbelief. Because can you imagine being in a relationship with someone where there's no trust? You're in a relationship and the person, you, th- you, you kind of have thoughts that maybe they don't really, really love you all that much. And it, it causes you to think, every, think over everything they say and do and you don't really trust them. It's the same way, it's, it's, it's perverted. It's not a real trust. And so God is, is, is calling us to a real faith in this time as Pastor Mike has been talking through James, a real faith. And I think it's so important for us to understand how serious Jesus is taking our faith in these times we're living in that can so easily cause us to be like, God, I don't know what's happening. And Satan can come in and put lies in our minds, in our heads about what is happening in the world, what, 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 where we're concerned with our relationship with God. And so the first thing in the story I want us to realize is Jesus's dislike and distaste, his disapproval really for unbelief. And the last thing on this is, it's crazy that the son of God, Jesus himself, you guys know the story, when he went to his hometown, he couldn't perform many miracles. In Mark, earlier, earlier in Mark, it talks about he could only heal a few sick people. So, you mean there's more, I mean, there's, so you have that much more power to do so much more but we're not believing in you and who you say you are. God, forgive us. Forgive us for not believing you. So the question there is, what are you having a hard time with right now believing God for? What are you having a hard time really believing God for and why? What is it that you're struggling to really grasp? Like you get it, I believe, but Lord, help my unbelief because I'm really struggling to fully depend on you in this, in this part of my life. The second thing I wanna point out in this, this story that has um, so much is that the burden of unbelief. There's a burden of unbelief because Jesus mentions different kinds of spirits that we're up against something that is greater, not greater than God, but that it is stronger and that it is in this world that we need to be aware of. So let's read together Mark chapter nine, verse 25. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me there. Mark nine. Is that? All right, starting verse 25. When Jesus saw that a crowd was rapidly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you deaf and mute spirit, I command you, come out of him and do not enter him ever again. 
After crying out and throwing him into a terrible convulsions, it came out and the boy became so much like a corpse that most of them said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and raised him and he got up. When he came into the house, his disciples began questioning him privately, saying, why could we not drive it out? He said to them, this kind cannot come out, but by anything, by prayer and some the other, another Matthew's account says prayer and fasting. So this cannot come out but through prayer. The second point I want to bring up in this story is that some issues can only be resolved through prayer and fasting. And I think it's, I think it's absolutely crazy that Jesus himself fasted. You know, I can understand praying I can understand praying. He prayed to God all the time. And he would, the Bible says he would go off into a secluded place and pray to the father when it was still dark outside. So we know that he prayed. And I can understand that. But for Jesus, you fasting, you really have to fast. But you're God in the flesh. You don't, I mean, you don't have to do that. I mean, you're, you can just, I don't know, think about food and be full. I don't know. You're God. Figure it out. Right? But he was, he was a man. He was fully God and fully man. And Jesus understood something that I believe in this time we need to also understand and we need to apply is that we are spiritual beings first. We are spiritual beings that have a physical body. And Jesus attended to and took care of his spiritual being through fast. It may, I think about, you know, when we're tired, right? When we're tired, our eyes get heavy. Um, you know, we're, we're not as coherent as we were maybe hours before. Um, you know, we, we start to drift away when we're tired. We yawn. When we're injured, right, our cells send messages to our brain, which is crazy, that you're in pain, you're hurt, you're hurt, pain, pain, right? Like when Chris, Chris crossed the boss, he, you know, hurt his thumb. Praise God, he's got off the cast, no more cast on there, just a little brace, Okay, and so when that happens, you know, cells send up millions of messages to your brain, pain, pain, hurt, hurt. When we're hungry, you know, our stomach growls and, you know, makes a bunch of noises. We get hangry. I get hangry. Okay, and we, we get tired. We get sleepy. But what happens when we have a spiritual need? Right there, all these, our body naturally communicates when there's a physical need, when we need food, when we need rest, when we need healing. But what does our body do when we need spiritual attention? And if we're honest, most of the time, it doesn't do anything. That's because we are mostly living in our flesh. And I'd be the first one to say, I am. I just talked about having two Thanksgiving meals. I love to eat. Right. But Jesus knew what he was doing. He was uh, paying attention to the spirit of God that's inside of him. Because it can be so easy for us to avoid our spiritual being that's inside of us because we can just eat and we'll feel better. We can go to sleep and we'll feel better. We'll go to the doctors and we'll be good. And we don't really need to feed our spirit. We'll be okay. That's kind of like this aside. Yeah, do life and then put Jesus on the side. And that's kind of, you know, 
the the American kind of Christianity, like I'm living life, but here's Jesus. He's on the side. He's a side dish. He's not the main entree. Right. And I'm I'll be the first one to say I'm guilty of it, of not uh, taking care of that spiritual man in the inside. And the importance of doing that is understanding what we're up against. And we're up against demonic forces. All that we're seeing right now is because the word says that Satan is the the prince of the power of the air. So he's the lowercase g, God of this world. And he blinds the minds of the unbelieving. That's what we're up against. And we're up against his demonic forces that want nothing to do but destroy our lives. And so we have to pay attention to the spirit man on the inside as Jesus did. And the cool thing after Jesus fasted and he prayed, he was tempted. He was tempted. And Jesus was able to overcome his temptation because he took care of that spiritual man on the inside for 40 days. And then through the word of God overcame Satan, right? But thank God he has equipped us with everything we need to fight in the spiritual battle. He has equipped us. And that's one thing I love about our God is that he is a man of war. He's a warrior. He's not a sissy who sits on the sidelines, but he's a warrior who goes on the front lines and rages war. And he calls us to that as well. So I guess the question there would be, what, what are you facing right now that may require intense and serious fasting and prayer. What is happening right now in your life that you need to take time to fast and pray? And as a body, we should come around you. As a body, we should come around each other and uplift each other for seasons like this in our lives, knowing that we are facing, that we, although we walk in the flesh, although we walk in this physical body, we do not wage war according to the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds and casting down imaginations and any high thing that tries to exalt itself above the knowledge of God. And we bring every thought into, the, into captivity, into the obedience of Jesus Christ. What are you facing right now that requires intense prayer and fasting? Because there are Satan and his his legions want to distract and to thwart God's plan in your life. But God is good and God is faithful and he will not let you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. So in this story, there's so much. I just wanted to bring up one, the caution of unbelief and how we in this time as so much is going on around us, so much division, so much chaos, confusion, we have to, let's take note of our unbelief. Let's identify where am I not really trusting God and not allow Satan to come in and fill my head with lies about who God is and who I am. And then secondly, let's realize what we're up against. Forces of darkness, powers in high places, that we're not fighting flesh and blood, that our brothers who post some crazy stuff on Facebook, our sisters, our friends who post some stuff, that's like, okay, seriously, seriously, we have to remember we're not fighting each other. 
but forces that are not seen. Then lastly, I want us to talk about the compassion of Jesus. The compassion of Jesus in this passage. You know, if we read it really quick, we'll, we'll, we'll miss what Jesus' question to the Father. And in verse 23, I'm sorry, in verse 21, he asks the Father, how long has this been happening to him? How long has this been going on in his life? How long have you been dealing with the stress of marriage, with the stress of children, with the burden of work? How long have you been dealing with your own personal struggle, your own personal sin? How long has this been happening? And we see Jesus's compassion. And I love that God is always asking questions and his questions come out of a compassionate heart. You know, when Adam and Eve sinned, he asked them, where are you? And then Cain and Abel, Cain went to kill his brother and he asked Cain, why are you angry? Always wanted to bring back into intimacy and fellowship with his children. He asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? Empathizing. Jesus is the only one who can empathize with us all. He walked as a human being, as a man. He can understand every single pain we go through. And he asked the father, how long has this been happening to your boy? And he says, from childhood. How long have we been going on believe or not believing what God can do in our circumstance? How long have we gone on thinking and believing the lies of Satan and just moved on? How long have we accepted Satan's report and not the report of the Lord? I want us to turn to Hebrews chapter three really quick. Hebrews three, we're gonna start in verse seven. It says, therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as when they provoke me, as in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tried me by testing me and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with them with this generation and said, they always go astray in their heart and they did not know my ways as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. What the author's talking about here is a very, very, uh, what's the word, pivotal moment in the life of uh, the Israelites. They were supposed to go to, the whole plan all along was from Egypt 
to go to Canaan, the land of Canaan, the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey from Egypt to Canaan. And apparently, you know, these scholars and people say that it's really only 11 day journey. That's all it really takes, supposedly, 11 days to travel from Egypt to Canaan. And that's the goal. So they get there and there's a bunch of nonsense happening in the wilderness and there's distrust and there's, you know, commotion and they're grumbling. And so God tells Moses, hey, get 12 of your men from each tribe and have them scout out the land of Canaan and see if it's a good land flowing with milk and honey, you know, and take some of the fruit back with you so we know what it's like. And so 12 guys go, including Joshua and Caleb, and they go out there to the land of Canaan and they check it out and they come back after 40 days. So they were out there for 40 days. They come back and those guys, not Joshua Caleb, but it was almost like you guys ever watched the movie before and maybe it's two of y'all went to the movies, you know, you went on a date or something and you come back and one of y'all like, oh, I mean, it was okay. I would wait till it, you can watch it on Netflix. You don't got to go pay the money. It was okay. And the other person's like, no, you got to go see it, man. It was crazy. It was sick, especially that one part when he had the knife and he went slashing and then the guy came out of nowhere. Right. Two different perspectives of what happened in that movie. It was kind of like that. What happened with these guys? So the, a couple of the other spies said, yeah, I mean, it was a good land, but there are some very, very strong, tall guys that live in the land and they will probably destroy us. And we're not really we're not we, I don't think we got it. And then Joshua and pipes up and says, hey, whoa, 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 hold up, hold up. It was an awesome land. And guess what? God will go with us and for us. And we will conquer this land. We will, he's going to be fighting for us. And then the guys pipe up and say, I don't know, man, it's not. I mean, and then they start complaining, right? You know how that goes. One person's, uh, you know, distrust and it spreads like wildfire. And then everybody's, oh my, you got to be kidding me, seriously. And then they start complaining again. You know, man, you, God, you just brought us here to die. And you brought our children here to be plundered and all this mess. And so Caleb uh, tears his clothes. That's like a sign of mourning. When I, uh, Caleb and Joshua do that, tear their clothes in mourning. Moses and, and Aaron, they fall to their face. They're pleading to God. And, and God's like, look, Moses, here's the deal. I am vexed with these people. I will make you a great nation. I'll wipe them out. And Moses prays on behalf of the Israelites and, tell, and reminds God of who he is. Say, God, I know who you are. You're gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love and in truth. You are good. You're gracious. You're awesome. Please do not pardon these people. Pardon their sin. And so Moses intercedes on behalf of the people. And God said, okay, I get it. I will pardon their sin. I'll forgive them. But none of these people who have grumbled against me will see the land. For all the 40 years that they went in the, in the land of Canaan, they will wander the wilderness for 40 years. And this generation will not see the land promised. Jesus spoke to a generation. He spoke to a generation when the father admitted to his unbelief because Jesus understood the effect of unbelief in a generation and what it does to an entire city, country, if there is any unbelief. And God said, no one will enter that land except for 
Joshua and Caleb who followed me fully. Joshua and Caleb who fully believed, fully believed. That might sound harsh. God, give them a chance. Be easy on them. You know, I don't think we understand the depths. I don't understand the depths of God's compassion. I don't understand the depths of his mercy and how slow to anger that he really is and how gracious he is to people. But what I'm starting to understand through this is his real lack of uh, uh, his distrust or his distaste of unbelief and the effects that it has. For a tired generation will not see the promised land because they did not believe who I was and they've grumbled against me time after time. But those who believe me will enter that land. Those who believe that I am the son of God will enter that land, will enter rest. Later on in Hebrews, it says, they did not enter because of their unbelief. There's a rest that is here and now, and there's a rest that will be. There's a rest that God is calling us to in this time of chaos that we can come to, but it requires us to believe. And there's a rest that God will call us to one day because we believed in him. But it's important for us to do, the, to do what the, uh, the author of Hebrews is saying. So let's go back to Hebrews chapter three, verse 12. Hebrews 3, verses 12. <clears throat> there, take, okay, verse 12, sorry. It says, take care, brethren. Another, other versions say this, watch out, see to it, take heed, be careful, beware. Take care, that's all from take care. That's different versions of the Bible saying, what that word means, take care, watch out, see to it, take heed, be careful, beware, brethren, that there be no, that there not be in, in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God, but encourage one another day after day, as long as it's still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Sin is deceitful, it is deceitful. And like we talked about, Satan being the father of lies wants to come in, not into this world, but also in the church and deceive us through sin and deceive us into believing that God is really not who he says he is. And so our duty is to encourage each other as it is today, encourage each other day by day. And how do we do that? Through his word. How do we do that? We do that through praying and fasting. What can we be praying and fasting about? What is in your life that we can be praying and fasting and believing and trusting God for? And I believe in this time, like this, like this father, we're all feeling that, experiencing that. I know I am. I was feeling what he was feeling, trying to ask the Lord to guide me in this message. I believe, help my unbelief. 
and me questioning that's really you, God, that's, that's you. I believe, help my unbelief. Help our unbelief, Lord. Help us to believe you at your very word because this time we're living in, it's really been for everyone a testing of our faith. But the good news is that we have each other. We have each other to encourage each other with. And it has to be the word of God, his word that we're encouraging each other with as it's called today. Turn to me, or I'm sorry, I'm gonna read from John 14. It's not on the, um, the screen, but you can turn in your Bibles to John 14, starting in verse one. John 14, verse one says, do not let your heart be troubled. Jesus, hearts are troubled. Father, we have so many things going on in our lives. God, we have our own personal struggle, our doubts of who you are, of what you're doing. In this country, we have doubts of the leadership of this nation. We have doubts of the direction of our country. We have doubts with uh, vaccination, no vaccine. We have doubts in what's really happening with numbers. We, we, we're, we are afraid of, God, we need to not be troubled and only believe in you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to me, the Father, but through me. Jesus has prepared a place of rest. He has prepared a place a dwelling place, and he will come back for us. He will come back for us. He has prepared a place, and he will come back. And he is the only way, and he is the only truth, and he is the only life. I pray that in these times that we will continue to identify any unbelief and to continue to encourage each other day by day, I know I'm guilty of just agreeing with what people are saying, but really going back to the word, what does God's word say about what we're experiencing? What does God's word say about what's happening in our nation? My prayer is that we would continue to encourage each other day by day. That we would know what we're up against, not out of fear, but out of preparation and focus. 
and that we know ultimately that God is faithful. God is faithful. And he called, him to, called us to in fellowship with his son, Jesus. Pray with me this morning. Uh, God, we need you right now. God, we need your sovereign hands. We need your wisdom. If you are listening this morning and you do not believe, you do not believe God is who he says he is, whether through personal hurt or experiences or upbringing, you don't believe that God is the way, the truth, and the life. I want to invite you to pray with me. And also, if you are here and you, and you do believe, but like this man, you believe, but you're saying, God, help my unbelief because I'm having a hard time believing that you are still sovereign over all that I'm seeing in the world today. I also want to pray with you today. So if you're listening and you, you do not believe that God is love and that he has prepared a place for you and that he will come back to get you and that he has purchased you with his own blood and that you are his and you are chosen and called and loved. You can pray with me this morning. Father God, I surrender. Forgive me, Lord Jesus, for turning my back on you. God, I want to give you my life. I don't want to live for myself anymore. I don't want to do the things that bring me pleasure, but I want to do the things that bring you pleasure and bring you joy. Father, show me my heart. Direct me, Lord God, back to you. God, I surrender my life to you. I surrender my ways to you. Be the Lord of my life. Rule my thoughts. Take control. And have your way, Jesus. You know me, pray. Amen. And if you're here and you, you do believe, but like the man, you need, you need faith in your unbelief. It's a privilege that we get to bring God our unbelief. It's one thing when we hide it, but it's a beauty of the relationship that we can have that we can bring our unbelief and our lack of faith to him and he will not turn us away but he is faithful so father we come to you in our unbelief of what's happening in this world what we're seeing we confess that we have believed the report of the world we have believed the report of satan we have believed lies. And God, we want to confess. And Lord, help us to believe you, that your ways are not our ways and your thoughts are not our thoughts. Help us to believe you, that you are who you say you are and that your kingdom is not of this world. Father, thank you so much that you are king and that you are still in control and that you reign over all. God, we confess and we surrender to you. We ask, Lord, that you would see our unbelief and remind us of how good you are and faithful you are. 
We love you, Jesus. We pray all these things in the matchless holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at CCC Roswell. Learn more and find ways to get plugged in at Crosspoint by visiting our website, crosspointonline.org. There, you could drop us a line or submit a prayer request. Like what you hear? Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Thanks for listening. See you next week.